0: Greetings, everyone. This is the Sound Health Radio Show with Richard Talk to Me Guy, and Sherry Edwards is working on the portal. As I say every week, but every week it's true. Every week the portal ever is improving. The amount of information on the portal is really quite amazing. Of course, all the years when I worked with Sherry hauling a laptop around to have all that data, it's amazing to have it all available just online online so that I can talk to somebody in another state and say, go record your vocal print and we'll work on it. It's really great. So you can find out more about the Sound Health Portal by going to soundhealthportal.com and then scroll over to Campaigns, which is under the Services tab. And there you'll see a list of the campaigns that are currently available. And those are free demonstrations It could be bio diet, it could be neuroplasticity, or PTSD, or golf can affect the golf swing, which is amazing. I know golfers who have done this and are like, wow, it made a difference. And what you can do in any of those campaigns is you can sign up for a free account. It'll walk you through all this, but sign up for a free account. You'll do two 45-second recordings directly from your computer. It works a little better if you use something like the Samsung Go mic, which is available at soundhealthoptions.com under the store. And it's not horribly expensive, and it's great to have around for conference calls or all sorts of stuff because it's a good quality little mic. And you'll do two 45-second recordings, and then you'll choose your campaign and submit that, and within two to 24 hours, I've never waited more than 12, but sometimes on this day, it's particularly busy. You'll receive an email with a report with all sorts of information about things that might be hypertonistic, which is too much, or hypotenistic, not enough. It's really, it's an amazing report. I would suggest sitting down with a cup of tea and reviewing it. And then you can take that report also to your healthcare practitioner. You could take that report to, let's say, Kathy Groover, if you were a client of Kathy's, and sit down and talk about it. What looks like this? What about that? What can we do about this? Imbalances. Reduce your stress levels. That kind of thing. It's an amazing amount of information, and you can see some demos at soundhealthoptions.com under media. You can see demos of Sherry doing a full workup with somebody online she'll do a vocal recording and then do what we call vocal print which is after it's run through the software you can kind of see the peaks and valleys of what's going on in the voice with the action of the vagal nerve and there are videos there also at soundhealthoptions.com where sherry teaches that information on how this all works it's really quite amazing the vast amount of data that's available i i do highly recommend seeing one of the video demos I'm sure you're doing a workup so you can really see the kinds of correlations that occur and the kind of information that's available. It's, it's really wonderful. Then to hear a replay of this show, about 15 minutes after I click end, you'll be able to go to soundhealthoptions.com, click on the radio tab, then click on Sound Health Radio, and at the top will be the flyer for this show, with the link back to the show notes at Blog Talk Radio and anything, any of the links that I put in Blog Talk will be there. Also at the top, we've now added a link for either Stitcher or Pocket Casts, which are both podcast applications or software aggregators. I prefer Pocket Cast just because I've been using it for a long time and it has a lot of really great features. And you can click on, let's say, Pocket Cast, and it will pull up a page with this show at the top Aggregators take sometimes up to an hour to get it rendered. And you'll be able to listen to the show there and also share it. It's really easy to share through Pocket Cast. There's three dots, and you click on that, and it'll ask you if you want to share it. And you can share it directly from the app, To And you don't need to download the app because you can do this all online. And or you can – that's one of the things I like about Pocket Cast is it's cross-platform ios android apple pc linux chromebooks whatever it can be used everywhere and you'll be able to share the show and it's i think stress is really a well we'll learn more from kathy but it's a thing it's a kind of a sleeper i think and i to me in the health world i think stress is underrated with that Kathy Grover, PhD, has graced stages on four continents, including two TEDx talks, three cruise ships, and a handful of islands. Her combination of humor, performance background, real-life experience, and formal education makes her a well-rounded, in-demand speaker. She hosts the TV show based on her first book, The Alternative Medicine Cabinet, and has earned her PhD in natural health. Dr. Grover is the 12-time award-winning author of seven books, including Conquer Your Stress, Workplace Wellness, Conquering Your Stress at Work, and Journey of Healing. She has studied mind-body medicine at the famed Benson Henry Institute for Mind-Body Medicine at Harvard, and has been featured as an expert in numerous publications, including Glamour, Fitness, Time, WebMD, Prevention, Huffington Post, and Dr. Oz's The Good Life as well as appearing on over 250 radio and TV shows, including Lifetime, NPR, CBS Radio, and Sky News London. In 2015, she had the privilege of creating a stress reduction program for the U.S. military and has been studying psychology and human behavior her entire life. She's also the co-host of the new Fire and Earth podcast, For Fun and Stress Relief, Groover does hip-hop and flying trapeze. Kathy joins us to give us tips and tools to conquer our stress. Good morning, Kathy.
1: Good morning. How are you?
0: I was doing the mini meditation concurrently. We had a little technical issues right before the show, which is always exciting. It's a <laughs> That's
1: okay. I was prepared.
0: Thank you. You were prepared. That was great. I love dealing with a pro. It really helps. <laughs> But in my mind, I was doing the mini meditation, which we'll talk about in a moment. I want to start at a slightly odd position. I want to ask you, what can we learn from a caterpillar?
1: Mm. Ah, yes, the caterpillar. So the caterpillar goes on having its present existence, thinking about nothing else, and all of a sudden it finds itself in a cocoon. And it's an instinctive thing. It just knows it's time. It gorges itself on food. It creates this gel-like gunk and it cocoons itself into this shell. And it's not in there thinking, oh crap, I wonder how long I'm going to be in here. It's just in its new reality, which is that cocoon. And then it might think it's the end. It's like, oh, I'm not a caterpillar anymore. But suddenly... With the timing of whatever nature tells it, it bursts out of that cocoon and it's in its new presence, which is a butterfly. And I think so often we as humans see ourselves going through this, what we deem to be ugly time or scary time or confusing time or unknown thing, kind of like we are right now in the world. Um, mm. And we have to remember that if we just stay present, we're going to come out the other side of this as a butterfly. Um, you know, we're the only species that wants to be anywhere other than where we are right now. And I think we can learn from those animals and those creatures about just being present and just accepting the isness of what's happening right now. It's not always easy. Believe me, it is not always easy. Um, but what other choice do we have?
0: <laughs> Excuse me. Yeah. <laughs> Our alternative is what? Yeah, we're here. right.
1: I mean, we can totally wish things were different. I mean, I wish we weren't having a pandemic. I wish people weren't losing their jobs. I wish, you know, I, I, I can wish for all sorts of things. I can blow out every bloody birthday candle in the world right now. And I cannot change the isness of this moment. I can make changes. In hopes of creating a better future, but I cannot change this present moment except changing my thinking about it. And we forget we always have a choice. It's it, if nothing else, we can change how we're thinking about how we're responding to something.
0: And along the lines of the caterpillar, well, I don't know. This kind, of, I, 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 there's a question in, within a question here for me. You've also said I've heard you say stress is our perception. What is that? What does that mean?
1: Well, I mean, like you mentioned in the opening, I do flying trapeze for fun. To me, that's stress relieving for a lot of people the thought of climbing a 20-foot ladder and standing on a little platform and holding onto a very heavy bar and jumping off and swinging out and doing something. I mean, that's terrifying for so many people. Just thinking about it can put people into sweats and panic and, you know, I think it's fun and exciting and it's a sport and it's, it's exercise and to me it's just the biggest joy. Um, so we have this different perception of things and there are some people who are terrified of what's going on right now and others who are like, hey, you know what, we'll get through this. Um, so I think it's just a matter of how we allow the things that are happening around us to affect our thinking, to affect our mood, our thought processes and our, our responses.
0: And do you think the caterpillar has issues with perception?
1: I don't know much about bugs, (laughs) but I'm I'm suspecting, I almost said ichthyology, that's fish. What are bugs? Uh, I don't remember. Um, I don't know much about the thoughts. I don't think they have thought processes. They don't have that kind of perception. Um, They just know they're in a present moment. Um, They don't have the, especially caterpillars, probably don't have the ability to reason things like, you know, maybe a dog or a cat or a dolphin would, Um, but it it really is about being present and and how you accept or fight against, um, you know, what's happening around you. And we can't necessarily change what's happening outside of ourselves. You know, we have three choices when it comes to a situation we don't like leave the situation, which we can't always do, change the situation, which eh, sometimes we can do, or change ourselves. And as much as I hate to say it, the easiest one of those three is to change ourselves. And that is definitely not easy. You know, uh, we're going through these thought processes about the, you know, COVID-19 and, and the sequestering and the shelter in place. and And, you know, I've gone through moments of not depression, but you know, I'll read something in the news and just feel downtrodden and defeated, and and then, you know, the next day I'll look at stuff and go, hey, you know what? We're gonna get through this. Everybody's gonna survive. It's gonna be okay. It's you know. So, we all have different moments, um, but I think to the extent we can, we have to try to find the positive in what's going going on, and and accept that all we can change is our perception of it, our our thinking, our responses.
0: Well, and one of the reasons I'm, I'm starting here is years ago. Well actually I've interviewed Bruce Lipton a couple of times and he really introduced Mm. me to the idea of our cells are what I call our cells are listening. Yeah. And I think that's incredibly important. It goes back to the old I know people get really tired of hearing me talk use the Cybertooth tiger, that our brain doesn't know the difference between us concentrating and thinking about a cybertooth tiger and the actual cybertooth tiger. And that was when I glued that together with Lipton's Our Cells Are Listening. So if we're constantly mm-hmm. telling ourselves, I think that's why the caterpillar has a certain exact advantage. It's just in every moment because it doesn't know there's another one. <laughs> in right. a certain exactly. way, it's just I'm here. Wait, what am I now? I was this creepy crawly thing, and now I'm like an amazing butterfly. Cool, what's right. that? Yeah. Um, so yeah. we've got this, you know, amazing ability to tell ourselves things, but we're it's based on our perception. So we have to, you know, talk about that. And particularly, this is really why I wanted to have the conversation with you, because you also have a health researcher background. I think this is such an underrated, in this time, particularly now, well, any time this is great, but particularly now, it's, I think, really important for people to understand that our cells are listening.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think we've all had the occasion, and kids are great at this. Like, they throw a tantrum to the point where they make themselves stick. You know, I remember as a kid, and I was probably a a very precocious, (laughs) I know, I was very precocious only child. (laughs) Um, And there were times where, like, you know, my uncle was, I remember this so clearly, my uncle was visiting, and I loved my uncle. He was my favorite person, and my parents still made me go to bed at whatever my bedtime was. And I remember even as a kid thinking, that is so illogical. Like, my uncle's here visiting. I never get to see him. Why can't I stay up, you know, past 7 o'clock or whatever it was? And I laid in my bed, and I pitched a royal fit. I mean, I screamed and kicked. And then it became a competition of – Oh, no, I am not stopping now. And I literally made myself sick. I mean, I started throwing up because I was just so emotionally distraught. Um, At some point, your body is going to see you throwing that fit and thinking, oh, crap, we're in a stress state. We better do something. Um, So that's, I mean, it can either, our physicality can lead to anxiety feelings or, you know, this bottom-up or top-down thing of it could be physical leading to emotional or emotional leading to physical. They're very closely matched. This is what all the mind-body medicine stuff is. And I love Bruce Lipton's stuff. He's he's a genius. Um, So we can absolutely think ourselves uncomfortable. You know, I I hate to say we can think ourselves sick because I've heard, um, you know, people accusing cancer patients of causing their own cancer, which I think is a horrible thing to say uh, because I don't necessarily believe that. Um, But I do believe that, you know, our thinking about things and our languaging about things can absolutely contribute to what's going on in our physical body. Um, we carry things in ourselves, which there's memory to that. You know, I'm a, still a massage therapist. Well, not right now, but um, typically a massage therapist and, and I've worked on people's, you know, past injuries where tears come or they start to have that feeling again of reliving that issue. And it, it's fascinating to me to get to be around people so often with hands on work and see what their bodies do and what our bodies tell us. Um, I think it's, I think it's under investigated the power that we have in our in our bodies and that mind that bo- mind body connection is is starting to become more mainstream excuse me and more researched um I think we have a long way to go on it
0: Yes <laughs> That's a whole show I'll leave that with yeah. Yes <laughs> Um how did you how did you get uh, into creating a stress reduction program for the U.S. military. And what did that look like?
1: Yeah, you know, thank God for Facebook. Um, I was, you know, constantly posting things about my books and the stress stuff that I was doing and an old high school friend of mine, and I don't know that I'd actually talked to her since high school. She was a year before me and she messaged me out of the blue and she said, Hey, I've been following what you're doing. And I work for this company that does, um, contract work for, uh, the military. We're about to, you know, there's a proposal out. They're looking for a new, um, uh, stress reduction program for the military. Would you be interested in contracting with us to help us create it? And I went, yes. Um, so I worked with this company who was pitching stuff to the military and we got through to either phase two or three. Um, and unfortunately they went a different direction and who knows whatever happened with it. I mean, I don't know how, um, I don't know how active it was going to be anyway. I, I suspect it was more a thing of, uh, we should probably do this. And I don't know how serious they were about actually implementing it. So I put together a really incredible program. And my understanding is the one they went with was very, um, it was not very diverse as far as techniques. It was very formal seated, intense meditation focused, yeah. which I thought was a really big mistake because not everyone can do that. And you know, my mini, my mini meditation, you know, anybody can do that at the drop of a hat at the spur of a moment, Um, And so to try to train people in the military to do, you know, 45 minute seated meditation that, you know, I just, I thought it was just too inflexible, Um, but clearly I didn't make the decision. Uh, So we created this amazing program, but what's great is the program that I put together for them. This is what I teach everybody else now. Um, So it gave me the (laughs) opportunity to really, to really look at all the techniques and say what, you know, if I'm going to create a, a program and that's what I do. So now when I go around the world and I do my, you know, conquer your stress, go from warrior to warrior stuff or five keys to stress reduction, it's basically the program that I was able to create for them that they just they didn't want. Um, so I was able to take all that work that I put in and, and give it to all you guys. So, yeah, it was it was so much fun. It was so much fun.
0: That's really great. I have a lot. I'm of the vintage where I went to college with people from Vietnam. Early on, but I mean, they were uh, some returnees from Vietnam. And it was just mind-blowing once you got to know them. At some point, they would get drunk. And during yeah. the – well, no, because that was their – you know, either they, they had to medicate some way because they weren't – Yeah, sure. They had no processing technique whatsoever. And I had already been a body worker by the time I went to college. And, and I mean bodies, not automobiles. And it was just amazing to me the level of stuff that they contained the things that they saw was mind blowing the things that they participated in was mind blowing, and the fact that it was just the 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 drug trigger was just that they, it would get them to the point of where they'd be able to release enough because it the the alcohol the quantity of alcohol that they'd consume, which was typically pretty high, was enough to cause them to have a release so you'd have a breakdown you'd end up holding this Big monster of a guy while he cries or you know shakes or shit I mean it was just it was I horrific is too strong but it was really bad I had a couple of buddies who really man it was just mind-blowing so the idea of them having some sort of tech that would allow them like I knew a couple of Mm -hmm. snipers and the snipers were more, they, the snipers were really, you've obviously dealt with some snipers by that sound. The snipers were a particular breed because they're, you're alone in the middle of nowhere on a knoll, I mean literally kind of on a grassy knoll, if you're lucky it's grassy, waiting for that moment. Just waiting for the moment and it might be hours it might be a day it might be two days you're just laying there in that moment and they're kind of from my experience of them they were kind of meditators but not in your not in your way the mini meditation but they were just hyper focused waiting for the moment and it was an amazing thing to talk to them about that again they would have to be kind of drunk but it was just to hear their work um, was yeah. stunning So I'm very pro soldier anti war. Go ahead.
1: Right. Exactly. Exactly. I have still a lot of clients who are former military um, and, and hearing just the way they talk about their fellow soldiers and the world and their perception of things that are happening. I mean, it's it's absolutely fascinating to me. I so respect what they do. Um, And the stress that comes with that. Uh, You know, I heard very brief stories from my father about Vietnam. He repaired um, the amphibious vehicles. So he certainly never saw combat or anything like that. But at one point, their camp was raided and everybody um, dispersed in the middle of the night. And unfortunately, my father used to love to tell the story. Um, My father was stone cold deaf in one ear. And he Mm. would sleep with that ear up so he wouldn't be disturbed. And no one thought to wake him up (laughs) as the rest of the people completely disperse, you know, in in anticipation of probably being ambushed. And my father wakes up in the morning. He's like, ah, you know, stretches, looks around and realizes everybody's freaking gone. And he's sitting in the camp by himself going, oh, shit. (laughs) Like, what are you going to do? And he sat there and, you know, like the next day everybody came back and they're like, where have you been? And he's like, uh, why didn't you wake me up? So, yeah, I mean, he, my father probably had funnier stories than anything. But but I've talked to a lot of, of you know, um, service people who saw combat and whether it was Vietnam or actually have a, a very dear client who was in World War Two, who was on the beaches in wow. Normandy. And, you know, it's wow. like, um, like I've heard some. Yeah. Not many others left, but yeah, I've heard some really incredible stories. And I, and to find a way to manage that stress, and that was our objective, was actually to give them tools before they had the stress. You know, we don't want them to get to the state of PTSD. Uh, we would like them to have tools going into it, and 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 hopefully they instituted whatever program they chose um, to help, because we all need help with that, especially right now. Um, you know, I'm getting so many messages from people who are. you know this is a new normal that we never planned for um what's happening right now uh businesses that thought eh, nothing's going to shut me down are suddenly completely out of business uh, at least for right now and who knows how that's going to recover so i think in the next couple months we're going to see actually an increase of stress and i think once this is over how we adjust to this new normal is going to be a challenge for a lot of people. And I'm actually thinking about it already. I'm trying to put things in place and I encourage everybody to, you know, what is your life going to look like in two months? And what can you put into place now to prepare for that, to have those tools already lined up to deal with what we're going to have to face in two, three, six, ten 10 months, you know, and it's, Staying present, but thinking about the future, and not fatalizing, and and that's a really tough balance. Uh, to stay pleasant, present, think about the future, and not freak out because it is really tough. And like I said, I've had my moments too, where it's like ah, but um, you know. However, however, we can. This is why I'm so excited to be on your show right now because I think this is the perfect time to be talking about this.
0: I always like to use the I'm going to jump ever so slightly sideways, and I always like to use the example of a dog. I've spent a lot of time with dogs. Some of my people are dogs. And dogs, yeah. when dogs go out and get in a fight or in a something or they get all, not necessarily just barking and guarding us, but more when they're in a, some kind of serious kerfuffle and they come back and they're shaking. And people think that they're shaking because they're afraid. And it's really because what their bodies are doing is throwing off the cortisol dump so that they don't retain that. So they're yeah. really smart. Look at how smart that is! Mm-hmm. Yes, it'll leave that bad thing off the ground. But look at this other part; it's amazing. Yeah, and, yeah. and we don't have that. We need. Right. Okay, we're good. This is—I can't believe this is the lead-in into the mini meditation, but it is. <laughs> I'm going to yeah. go from there to there, because I Perfect. think really I the it. mini meditation is such a powerful tool. Because I personally cannot sit in the lotus position. Period and because of years of chefing I just don't have that stretchiness and the thing is that I want to be able to have something that I can have not so much an incident but even just in the process of life with the stress of what's going on in the world I'd like something that well even before the show we were laughing as we started because we were having a technical issue as I told you as we just got on, I was kind of doing the mini meditation in the back of my brain. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, yeah, this is okay. All right. We're coming and Here we go. We're here. So let's talk about the mini meditation. And can you, and can we do that by you taking us through a meditation and then we talk about yeah. it? great.
1: Sure. Absolutely. But I want to say one thing about the dog and the shaking. So the stress the stress process that fight or flight response was made to be exactly what you just described with the dog. The dog has a fight, the fight goes away, the dog decompresses, all the hormones and the chemicals go back to normal. That's what's supposed to happen with our stress. It's supposed to be a short lived dynamic stressor. We have a very specific chemical response. The danger passes, eh, the chemicals return to normal. The problem with us humans is, and I ask myself this all the time, is this fight or flight worthy? Is the guy on the freeway going too slow, is that truly a threat? Is the woman that wanted to look at every book of stamps in front of me at the post office, because I just want to leave, is that a, truly a threat? Um, we Now our brain creates these, quote, threats that aren't actually threats. The boss saying, I want to talk to you on Monday, you know, these things that aren't that don't truly require this very physical fight or flight response. And then we build those up. It's the taxes are due. The property taxes are due. The mother-in-law is sick. The kid's failing math. You know, all these things add up. So we don't have time to shake it off like a dog would, um, because it just keeps building up. So, to the extent we can, letting stuff go, breathing, taking, you know, accepting that isness of the moment and doing this kind of mini meditation. So there's my lead-in to your (laughs) lead-in from the initial lead-in. Okay, so if you you. guys, everyone that's listening, (laughs) if you're in a safe place to do so, please do not do this if you're driving. It creates a whole other set of problems. If you're in a (laughs) safe place to do so, go ahead and let your eyes close. And I want you all to just concentrate on your breath, the rise and fall of your chest, and you're not trying to change it. You're not trying to slow it down or speed it up. You're just watching the rhythm of that breath and appreciating the rhythm of that breath. And on your next inhale, think I am. And on all of your inhales, think I am. And on your next exhale, think at peace. And on all of your exhales, think at peace. Inhale, I am. Exhale at peace. And if other thoughts intrude, which they will, that's okay. Just dismiss them without judgment. Acknowledge your thinking and then let them fade. Let them float away like clouds on a summer day. And return to concentrating on the breath. Inhale, I am. Exhale at peace. I am at peace. And go ahead and take one more big inhale, I am, exhale at peace, and open your eyes and come back to the room. Now, that was a very shortened version. I typically, if I'm doing this live, um, I'll do it for about five minutes before I bring people back if it's a really long like if I'm doing my full four-hour workshop we'll do it a couple times throughout the course of the day Um, but that's my favorite technique and that's become to pardon the vernacular my gateway drug to um, formal seated meditation (laughs) and I now can sit on the pillow for up to two hours and float away into you know a million bubbles and, and I get meditation now whereas before if people were always saying you should meditate, you should meditate, you should meditate, but no one told me how or why or the benefits or what it does for you. And I wish I would have, um, because now that I know it's like, Oh my God, how did I miss out on this for so many years? But I have it now. Um, and I've gotten to teach it to probably a million people at this point. Um, a client of mine messaged me the other day and she said, I just heard you on, um, uh, gosh, I'm blanking on the radio show, uh, John Tesh. And I went, wait, what? <laughs> Apparently, somehow they Googled something and found me talking about the mini meditation and taught the mini meditation on John Tesh Radio Hour, giving me credit for it, which I can't take credit for it because I got it from Harvard. But um, yeah, she's like, I heard you on John Tesh Radio Hour. I'm like, wow, that's okay. Um, So I still don't know if they played a recording of it, of me doing it. I don't know if they just talked about it. I have not been able to find a link for it, which is disappointing, but the fact that it's Again, getting that mainstream because he talks about amazing stuff on his show. Um, so yeah, I've been so happy to share that with so many people live in person and on the radio and podcasts and books. And so my true, it's my fun little, uh, I love meditation.
0: Yeah, that's great. I look forward to you doing a show with Joe Rogan. I'm envisioning for you that for you now, he would be such a person that would be good to have that like, okay, Joe, just, Pause it for a moment. Yeah. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. <laughs>
1: <Totally>. <laughs> um,
0: would you talk a little bit more about that thing that you sort of toss off about the dismiss without judgment? That's where I get stuck. I'm I'm judgy within myself of others, somewhat, yeah. but more so. I I get trapped in that loop of. Which leads us to this wonderful phrase you talk about, about catching the dragon by the head versus the tail. Yeah. Oftentimes I'm wrestling directly with the dragon. (laughs) So please talk about that dismiss part.
1: Yeah, okay. So let me talk about the dragon first because people are going, what the heck are you talking about? Uh, Yes, Dungeons and Dragons, one of my favorite things, not what I'm going for on this one. So when I studied with Dan Brown, um, the professor, not the author, uh, Dan Brown at Harvard, he does pretty intense meditation. To him, the mini meditation, eh, not really a thing. That's fine. We all have different ways of doing this. So when he teaches his meditation um, and his master and guru that he studied with, um, they equate this to a dragon. And the thought is the dragon. And you can feel that thought coming. If you get really good at that observing, you can, oh, 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 we're about to think about something. If you can stop it then or right when that thought starts, that's grabbing it at the head of the dragon. The tale of the dragon is you've had a 20-minute um, daydream about how you want this new car. And it's going to be blue. It's going to be a Beamer. And you can see yourself driving up the coast. It's going to be so nice. And you know, We can all go there. We can just let our minds go to this just beautiful fantasy, which that's fun, that's great. Not the purpose of meditation. Um, so he talks about getting the dragon at the head rather than waiting till you see the tail kind of going off in the distance and going, oh, guess I missed it. Um, so that's the whole thing of the dragon is catching it right when it starts. And the non-judgment thing and, you know, everybody, mindfulness-based stress reduction, we, everybody that teaches meditation pretty much talks about this, letting it go without judgment. and. If you're judging how you're doing, if you're sitting there thinking, I'm failing at this, I'm terrible at this, this is dumb, I can't do it, it's kind of, again, defeating the purpose of the meditation, which is to be present, which is to be present with a beginner's mind, with curiosity and focus and non-judgment. There are going to be days where meditation is harder for you than other days. There are days where I plop down on that pillow and I can just be in that state for 15, 20 minutes, half an hour, I get up I feel great I feel present I feel rested I feel alive and there are days where I barely get 20 seconds in and my brain will not stop Um, that's when I just get up because I would rather have two minutes of really good meditation than 20 minutes of me sitting there beating myself up and talking about how I'm a failure and how this is dumb and I could be doing other things or or doing my my to-do list meditation which is a triple Capricorn I love to do um, which is you know oh, I should call that guy back, and oh, yeah, I wonder if I should start writing my next book, and da-da-da, you know. Um, It's about just being present with that and being gentle with yourself. And I don't have kids. I've seen them. Uh, Didn't choose that uh, this time around. But I assume you don't birth the child and then stand it up and yell at it for not walking right away. Um, It's a process. (laughs) It's progress. It's about patience and (sighs) applauding those little moments of, perfection and moving forward. And I have seen parents trying to teach their kids to walk or trying to help their kids walk. The kid stands up and they're like, yay, you did it. But we don't do that for ourselves. You know, we can get 20 minutes, 20 seconds of really phenomenal meditation and we're like only 20 seconds. That was 20 seconds. Like praise yourself for that. You know, I think we're so hard on ourselves and that judgment comes from, our ego brain, the thought processes saying, eh, you might as well not even do this. You're not very good at it. As opposed to, hey, we did, we did a minute and a half of kick-ass meditation. That was great. Good for you. Next, tomorrow, we'll do two minutes, you know. Um, I think we have to be gentle with ourselves, and that comes from that beginner's mind and that, that patience, uh, knowing this is a process. And when I studied with Thich Nhat Hanh, who is, I think, probably the second most well-known monk next to the Dalai Lama, he said there were days where he had trouble meditating because he couldn't shut his brain off.
0: And I'm thinking, Oh my
1: God, you have one job, which is to sit in an ashram and meditate so the rest of us don't have to. Um, And you know, when he said that he had trouble with it, I was like, wow. Okay. You've trained Hmm. this like your entire life and you have days of poopy meditation. My words, definitely not his, but like, if he has trouble with it, then I absolutely have to be gentle with myself because there are going to be days I have trouble with it. You know, it's about patience and being still and in that present moment.
0: I've back to dogs for a moment. I've watched people be incredibly patient in training a dog to do something, not because the dog was yeah. dumb, because it was slightly complex. Like these people, these amazing dogs that run through whatever those trial things oh. are, where they're jumping yep. over a thing and jumping the thing and going through the wavy thing. And then I'm thinking, how did you get the dog to do all these things?
1: Yep, Agility And I'm always training. kind of
0: surprised that the trainers don't look particularly agile, but the dogs are amazing. <laughs> and that. And yet, then I I, because I know some of these people that work with animals or rescue animals or that are are very good with animals, but they're just like brutal with themselves. You know, with a dog they'll be kind and gentle and loving and caring and patient and paw kissing and you know, I mean, just really dedicated to these animals. Mm -hmm. But to themselves, they're like out back kicking themselves in the head. My butt's too fat, and uh, you know, all those kind of. I mean, it's just it's amazing how we don't pause. And take a moment and say wow that was really good like you uh, just yeah. as you said I did meditation for tw- I had a quiet mind for 20 seconds cool
1: yeah good for you,
0: because <laughs> that when would be you great. know
1: what when you know what that space between thoughts feels like and this now we're flipping more to Eckhart Tolle um, there's space in between thoughts so if it's two seconds if it's ten seconds and sometimes if you're in that quiet space between thoughts and you say to yourself, I wonder what my next thought will be. And you wait. It could be a long time before that next thought comes. And I love that exercise. And there are times where I'm on the pillow going, oh, I can't shut my brain off, where I'll say to myself, I wonder what my next thought will be. And then I wait. And in that waiting, that's that presence, that's that stillness and then this next thought will come in and I'll go, ah, okay, grab it at the head, dismiss it. Huh? wonder what my next thought will be. And then you wait. <laughs> it's, it's a neat trick. And I love studying with Eckhart Tolle. He's, I, I got to do a six-month program with him, um, wow. parts of which were live and in person, which was so much fun. To be in the room with him was just oh, coolest thing ever. Um, but I can feel his presence even when he does online stuff. So like I can watch videos of him and find for that half an hour of that lecture or that that talk or him answering questions that I'm just so present with that entity of him, you know, even through YouTube. It's pretty amazing. So yeah, I wonder what my next thought will be and then just wait and you'll find that a minute goes by of just stillness it's, and it feels so good. It feels so good.
0: Well, even in your doing the just now doing the very short form of the mini meditation When I came out of that, I felt what I perceive physically as like a calming of the overall, you know, adrenal cortisol flow, all that kind of stuff. But just an overall, what I would call a smoothness, which I had wished I had had on hand. I was a chef on and off for 20 years. And there's always, well, I was almost going to say there's always panic in the kitchen. Not always, but frequent. There's panic in the
1: kitchen.
0: There's a lot of panic in the kitchen. There's a lot of, of, you know, that's why kitchens are oftentimes back there. I'm old school, so the kitchen was back there. So there was was a lot of screaming and yelling and shouting and like, where's this? And I need that now. And, you know, man, it was gnarly. I've seen things thrown across the kitchen you wouldn't believe could be thrown. Really, it's just mind numbing. (laughs) But to have that, to be able to step out just for even or go on the walk-in that was often a trick i would do is i would go on the walk-in which is a giant walk-in refrigerator and you would go on the walk-in and just breathe cold air for 30 seconds or a minute and then you'd hear through the thick one foot wall the chef the lead chef would be screaming like where are you You know just bad things but i mean just even that just a moment of calming Uh, although at some point you float unlike not unlike like Tai Chi I'm not saying cooking is like Tai Chi although kind of there is a moment when you settle into a flow and and it does become sort of Zen and and when you're doing that was one of my favorite things two of my favorite things of chefing was uh, making bread when the recipe started out with a hundred pounds of flour because you spent a lot of time working with the dough and it was very much a meditation because you were just working the dough and you're you're not really, you're watching it, but really it's how it feels in your hand. Because as you worked enough bread, you begin to get like, as soon as it's right, your hands stop working the dough and you set it aside and work on the next one and let it rest. And then eventually you cut it up and put it in the pans and it rises a second time. That and saute work, which is where you, if you go in an open kitchen and sit and watch chefs who are working the saute line, and that's where all the dishes are, where all the fry pans are on the burners. And for me, that was always a Zen thing, because once you get the flow going, it's okay if something gets tossed into that flow, because you've got a flow going. You hear things, yeah. you smell things, you see things, and it is kind of a ballet. Well, it's never a ballet. It's never that graceful, but it is some <laughs> kind of dance. It might be like hip-hop. I hadn't thought about that, where it's, you know you get a flow going, and it is a meditative state in a way. Uh, which is really nice because it's, it's not really quiet because kitchens are really noisy. I've never worked in a kitchen where anybody's using tweezers. So I'll just say that. There's none of that going on. There's none of this, it's quiet, still, cinematic, food network stuff. It's just like everything's always something. But it is kind of like a walking meditation. And yeah. I think it's so good for us wherever we are, Like, here's a favorite pet peeve. I didn't mean to jump to this, but it's going to happen. When I'm standing in the line at grocery stores, in the old days, when I used to stand in line at the grocery stores, I guess I'll say now, and somebody's yakking away on their cell phone. Uh, Yeah. And I'm just trying to have a moment. And I don't mean I'm all zenned out. I'm just, you know, I'm okay being, I'm actually happy standing in a line because I'm not talking into a phone or looking at a device. I'm just in the line. Yep. And I need that mini meditation when that person's yakking in my ear on the cell phone because it's really taking a lot for me not just to grab it from their hand and smash it to the earth. In my mind, that's what I'm doing. Because it's like, come on, we're all in line here together. We're human beings Can we not do that for a minute? You know, is stillness, is there a hope for stillness? I guess that's what I'll ask that from. Is there a hope for stillness?
1: Oh, boy, that's a great question. Um, It's harder now because we don't have to have it. Whereas, and I love, I use that line example all the time. I mean, I remember in, ho- you know, standing in line at the post office in Hollywood, and this was before cell phones and before and you wouldn't think to bring a book into the post office. You would stand there, and you would be with your own thoughts. You'd be with your own self, or you'd this is crazy talk to the people around you. <gasps> oh, oh my not God, that. Uh, no, 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 no. Well, I mean, well, now six feet away, we can talk to the people around us. But other than that, um, <laughs> but, you know, there was no other choice. Other than being present, even with your own thoughts. Now, we just talked about going above thought and stopping thinking and being in those space between the thoughts. Even in being present with your own thoughts, that was a thing to be introspective, to plan for the future, to, to allow ourselves time to daydream. Well, we don't have to do that now. We get, oh, what's on the phone? And whether it's a game um, or uh, Twitter or what's happening on Instagram or, you know, Um, I'm guilty of that and I try not to there are so many times where I I head into a place like the grocery store And I will leave my phone in the car um, Because I want to just be present in that space and the problem now is we have every excuse We have every technology to not be present where we are So is there hope for stillness? Yes, and we now have to make an effort to be still as opposed to it being still and us making an effort to be outside of that. So I think it's completely flipped. Um, And it's tough because the generation that completely grew up with their phones, um, how do you put that's your reality? That's how you connect. That's how you stay in touch. That's how you communicate. How do you put that down? It's a tough one. It's really tough.
0: And what do you think, in your research as a well both as a body worker and also as a healthcare studier what do you think the effect is on the on the system of this thing this I'll, okay creepy addictive quality that people have of always needing to look at their phone
1: it's an escape ah it's it's an escape because Being present with oneself is terrifying to so many people. Meditation is scary because they wonder, well, what's in there when I sit still? Um, This is why we're so busy. Oh, I have so much to do. We're so busy. Now I'm one of the busiest people I know my normal day looks like everybody else's most crazy busy year shoved into one day. (laughs) I like it that way. I'm I'm very type A. I'm very, I have tons of goals. I'm very driven. I have, you know, and at one point I realized one of the reasons I was so busy was to escape, to not face that quiet, to not face that silence. Now, granted, I did have a lot of stuff I wanted to accomplish. I love going through my to-do list, but at one point, many years ago, I went, why am I this busy? Let's think about this. What am I running away from? And that's a hard question to ask because that forces you to look at your demons, to look at your shadow side, to look at those things that scare you, to look at those parts of you that scare others to you know it was a it was a, it was a year of introspection um, and I feel like I'm back there. I had a lot of life changes in the last year. That that are forcing me to look at who I am and what I want and what I'm providing to the world and my friends and family and loved ones and blah, blah, blah. Um, So that cell phone's an escape. It's also a false sense of connectivity. Oh, well, I liked so and so's Instagram post. Okay, that's not actually connecting. Um, It's for my generation and older, it's still the newness of it because I've seen where, you know, the teenagers are like, mom, put the phone down. Talk to, I wanted your attention. You know, I've literally seen younger kids be mad at their parents who are my age and older for being on their phone too much. Um, and then the flip side of that is, um, my boyfriend is younger than me and he's of a generation where he always had a device. That's it. You know, Mm -hmm. he just, so his go-to is, Oh, I wonder what's happening on Instagram. You know, that's his go-to. Whereas mine is, well, let me just sit quietly for a moment (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> His is, oh, cool, there's this new thing that I can go play with, you know. Um, it's it's tough because so many people are losing the ability to communicate live and in person. And the first two things that a baby learns, yeah, maybe not the first two, the, one of the first two things a baby learns is facial expression and tone of voice. Babies can't communicate yet, so they are hypersensitive to facial expression and tone of voice. Well, how are we communicating now? Uh, it's, twi- it's tweets, it's, it's text, it's instant messenger. It's, you know, all this stuff where we're not hearing tone and we're not seeing facial expression. Thank God we have emojis now. So I can roll my eyes when I want to, but <laughs> we're not, we're no longer getting that face to face hearing tone and seeing facial expression. This is why there's so much miscommunication when it comes to emails, texts. Oh, he was being sarcastic. Well, no you put that tone on the email you put that tone on that text and this is why i think it's really difficult to have deep meaningful conversations via you know 32 characters like well you don't know what they meant by can we just get this done i mean that could be read so many different ways um so i think we're losing the ability to have really good communication i think we're losing the ability to communicate with ourselves to be introspective to be present To be still Um, and I think it's an escape for a lot of people that was a very long explanation
0: (laughs) well that was a good that was good because it leads leads me to I'm a fan of uh, what well ceremonially I would call it uh, gathering around the fire and scuffing scuffing in the dirt yeah and there are many cultures where they do that that's a thing and they actually sit around and tell stories and look at each other. It's a shocking idea. Eye contact. Oh, not that. Ugh, crazy. crazy eye contact. And I'll go back to dogs for a minute. When I the last time I lived with a dog, the dog and I had a really tight relationship because anytime she was barking or you know something was going on, she'd just look over at me to see what I was giving her the stink eye or not. There was no verbal contact. It was just. She was accustomed, we were accustomed to looking at each other. I always, when I walk into yep. a room, if there's an animal, a dog, I will check out the dog before I'll check out the people because the dog will tell me what's going on just yep. by how it is. It's like the ultimate room modifier. Like if the dog is chilled, then I know it's all good. If the dog is kind of like, I don't know, this is weird, then I'm paying attention to the dog. So I really like to pay attention to the dog. But I see back to the social media thing in the old days a couple months ago when i used to go walking around cities in northern california and i would see groups of teens and i'm not picking i've seen this with other kinds of groups but this particular instance i have the vision of three young girls sitting on a wall kind of talking but they're all looking at their phones and texting right and they're talking about they might for all i know be texting each other I don't know right, but there's yep. no visual acute there's no visual relationship, and there's no actual just set the you know i bad words you know let yep. I, how about we actually talk like when I go out to dinner or when I used to go out to dinner with people, I would have a phone with me because I might want to photograph the food to post to my Instagram account because a lot of people. In the restaurant, I've helped people in the restaurant world get their food posted because they don't know the technology. But that's it. Right. I'm not ever checking my phone. It's off. I'm not going to, even if it were to ring, I'm not going to answer it. It's like it's just on the table. So if I want to take a picture. But that's it.
1: Whereas other people are like
0: checking it, looking at it, going to the thing, and they hear a buzz, and they have to look, and they have to, and it's like, no, 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 (laughs) bad dog. No. Right. I'm not kidding. Because it's just... Part of, for me, going out and dining is, or eating, is that. It's the socialization, because it's got me away from tech. I'm in tech face down or face up in tech all day long. Yep. So when I'm out being social, I'm out being social. And that seems to be slightly, it seems to me in the category of stillness, being social seems tricky now. Yeah, because you're then when you're out with people who spend all their time on social media on devices when they're in a group, sometimes they're sort of awkward. Like, oh, wow, we're just talking. Oh man, what's that?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, and this is one of the reasons why when I do some of my longer workshops and when I do an, just an hour talk, there's not time for this. But when I do like three or four hours, I will pair everybody up and have them do gazing. Ooh, the introvert. that. yikes! See, us, us extroverts are like, woo! People are looking at me, and I'm an only child, so I'm like, yay! People are looking at me. Um, the introvert is terrifying, um, and there's a lot of giggling, and there's a lot of, you know, uncomfortable like, ah. Oh, and some people get so into it. And for those of you that don't know what gazing is, this is another. Um, Eckhart Tolle talks about this all the time. He certainly didn't invent it; it's been around a long time. But you sit across from somebody, six feet if necessary, and um, you just meet each other's eyes and you look, and you're not thinking about anything. You're not judging. You're not, oh, their eyes are pretty. You're trying to go above thought, meaning you just stop thinking. You're not going below thought, which is that uh, kind of zoned out, like where you're almost about to fall asleep feeling. You go above thought where you are just truly present with the essence of this other person, and to me, it's one of the most beautiful things, and my boyfriend and I do gazing all the time, It is so fabulous. It's so great for people that you're in an intimate relationship with, because how often do you have that connection with them? How often are you truly present with that other being? And yes, you can gaze with your animal. Um, Yes, you can gaze with a plant. Um, They tend to gaze back sometimes better than the animals. Um, (laughs) So yes, that's something that I I have people do and, and, afterwards you know we'll do five minutes uh in groups and afterwards you know, there's people hugging and crying and because you are basically just bearing your, your naked soul to somebody else and it's scary for a lot of people but i love it it's one of my favorite activities and couples i mean you know we're in the house stuck with our families right now not stuck you know when our houses with families um do a couple minutes of gazing today turn on your timer um for three minutes and just meet the other person's eyes and just see what happens. It's a beautiful exercise. Truly one of my favorite things.
0: Sort of a a modification of that was uh, years ago when I was studying Bowen technique, the teacher would have us sit down across from each other. We'd pair up. He'd randomly pair us up. We didn't have partners. Randomly pair us up when we first got to class. And for two or three minutes, each one of us, would we'd face each other and we'd just talk about why we what we were thinking about versus being present, just random mm-hmm. stuff. It could be anything, just like a whole list of them, blah, blah 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 blah. The other person would listen and then they then they'd do that back to you of their same experience, and then we'd start class. And at first I thought this is the dumbest thing. What are we doing? I'm here to learn bowing. What are we doing here, buddy? And then after a couple yep. of times, I really got it. It was really great to blow all that off and be just there yeah. and learn this great technique. And yep. so I any of those things where we can sit and either gaze at each other or go for a walk in the forest, I think we can still do that. They have, well, they're beginning to shut down parks, but I'm a fan yeah. of being out in fresh air anyway.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. Anything you can do, just even, even if you have plants in your home, and luckily the the gardening stores and you know the nurseries and stuff are still open, go buy yourself some herbs, go buy yourself some plants. I actually put in more garden than I normally would during this time. I don't know if it'll work because I don't get a lot of sun in my yard, but you know like do what you can do. Um, connect, Use this as a time for connection, not necessarily as a time for um, escaping into something else.
0: Has anybody, or have, has yourself, have yourself, has yourself, have you? I'll do that. Have you? <laughs> <laughs> um, have then I? I work with the mini, mini meditation and checking it out with heart rate variability monitoring.
1: You know they have um, Harvard did all those great, um, okay. great uh, tests. I don't do that kind of research, but yeah, it slows the heart rate. It slows the blood pressure, you know, meditation across the board. It actually slows the genetic effect of aging. It changes cell um, reproduction and all this. It, it's got amazing benefits. Now you're not going to get that from 30 seconds a day of the mini to take a little more, but um, yeah, it's, uh, it's great stuff. I mean, it changes Changes everything in your body and your mind and it makes us feel better and it decreases that stress. And that's all. That's what this is about. Decreasing Long
0: stress. Term, long-term beneficial effect. We call it in the herbal yes. world. Yeah, yes, <laughs> I'm absolutely. a big fan of long-term beneficial effect. Yes, and absolutely. before we, before we close, we're getting real close. I have to ask is doing the trapeze a meditation for you?
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's, wow. a, it's not so much a meditation as a mindfulness practice. Because it forces you to be present, you know, if you're thinking about anything else or jumping ahead to the next thing. And the few times that I've been injured, it's because I was not present. It's because I was jumping ahead to, oh, I'm going to get that catch. Okay, we're not catching yet. Or I was rushed or I was not focused or, you know, yeah. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's a mindfulness practice. So same with dance class, you know, because if, you miss, if you're thinking about something else and you miss that five, six, seven, eight, you mess it up. And I've been dancing since I was three, and I'm very competitive, wow. so I don't like to mess it up. So it keeps me present. It, it moves the body. It moves the mind. It's, they did a, a study a while back and showed looked at different exercise and life satisfaction, and people who danced as their exercise rated the higher, higher life satisfaction than any other exercise form.
0: Really? It's pretty good.
1: Yeah. <laughs> wow. That's why oh, I do it Oh, man, I'm so, that, yeah. I'm so resistant oh, to dance.
0: I'm so resistant to dance. Oh, so great. <laughs> That's what I hear. I have a chiropractor, yeah. a, an old friend of mine, a chiropractor who's a tango dancer. And she wasn't oh, for man. a long time. I knew her for 15 years before she took up the tango. And now she's completely like, no, the tango is the thing, buddy. You should be doing the tango. And I'm like, are you what? Have you met me? <laughs> it's amazing. Um, we're there where I ask you, how do people work with you? Do you do classes online yet?
1: I, and I do. where would you
0: like people to go? To yeah, I you?
1: do, especially now. Um, I'm seeing people mm-hmm. all over the world because of the stress that they're experiencing. So I've got two different sites. I have kathygruber.com. Kathy's with a K, gruber, G-R-U-V-E-R.com. And then I also have kathygruber.coach. Um, and I'm having, you know, one-on-one or even group hypnosis and coaching sessions right now that I put discounted on a sliding scale. So many people need to de-stress. They need to start setting new goals for their new normal when all this is over. And so I want to make sure that I'm available to people. So if you go to kathygruber.coach, you can see what I offer, see what my sliding scale is, and um, reach out if you need help. You do not have to do this alone. This is scary for so many people. And so I encourage you to just, you know, get the tools and and use everything that I and so many phenomenal practitioners offer to make sure you're staying healthy and well through all this. So, yeah, those are the two sites.
0: Great. I'll be sending people, after the show, I'm, I'm sending people to com slash coach. I know a number of people who could use a little, come on, pull up. You can do this. Really, it's doable. That was great. Thank you so much, Kathy. I'm so glad this all worked out. And everybody, do the mini meditation. Start there. It's really... I like it very much. It makes me quiet. And my, box, my head is usually like a box of marbles. So being quiet is like amazing.
1: Yeah, you got Thank
0: this. you. Yeah, thank, thank you. Thank you very much. I'll be booking a session soon. Um, okay. All right. <laughs> all right, everybody. Have a great rest of the week, and we'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.
1: Thanks for having me.